welcome to Season 2 of the Plants We Eat, a podcast from the UNC Charlotte Botanical Gardens that investigates the fascinating history, biology, and culture behind the plants we use for food. This is Jeff Gilman and Cindy Proctor. Together we have over 50 years of research, teaching, and hands-in-the-dirt experience with growing plants, and over 100 years of experience eating them. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to age us. <laughs> you, you keep me out of the age part. <laughs> <laughs> So you know you know what I did with this intro? I tried to make it exactly 15 seconds. You know why? Why? Because like on your podcast, for most people, it has this 15-second skip. So now that you've heard the intro once, you can press the 15-second skip the next time and just skip through the intro if you don't want to hear it anymore. That's really smart. I like Wasn't it. Wasn't it? I, I, I was trying. I yeah, was trying for that. That's good. So I've got to tell you, Cindy, at the end of last season, at the end of our current episode, yeah, not the current episode, but yeah, the episode on currents, um, <laughs> We asked people for suggestions, and it was, uh, you know, whenever you do something like this, you wonder if people are going to listen and care, and, yes. we, and we had so many people. I know, and I'm so thrilled that Isn't we'll be that... talking about things that we're not just interested in, but others are, and of course, by default, I'll be interested in it as well. It, so. was, it was so exciting to have so many uh, recommendations. Um, so today we're going to be doing hops, and we'll get to that in a minute, but I do have one thing that I want to tell everybody out there. If you are in the Charlotte area... Uh, please go to gardens.uncc.edu. And if you're interested in beer and hops, we actually have a program going on in just a couple of days that uh, you might want to come to at Free Range Brewery. So please take a look at that and see if and see if you're interested. We'll get to hops in just a second. We also had somebody contact us, not about uh, telling us a new plant to take a look at, but to tell us about some information that they had uh, from our tomato episode. Okay. Uh, yeah, one of our really one of our first episodes. So Greg Pulsher contacted us. Actually, believe it or not, from Australia. How fun! <laughs> Isn't that cool? Yeah, it is cool. And uh, he called to let us know that the Supreme Court decided that tomatoes were vegetables, not fruits. Okay, do tell. <laughs> yeah, well, well, you see, there was actually a Supreme Court case back in 1893 that determined that tomatoes were vegetables, not fruits. And and you ask, well, why was this? Well, there was a, why, why, why was a lawsuit brought anyway, right, right. is what you're asking. Well, back in um, 1883, a uh, Tariff Act w was enacted. And this Tariff Act, um, that law uh, exempted fruits, but not vegetables mm. from a tariff. Of okay. course, of course. So John Nix, who was the founder of the John Nixon Company Fruit Commission, and that was in New York City. John Nix basically said that uh, since tomatoes were a fruit, they didn't have to be taxed. But the Supreme Court decided that since tomato was commonly thought of as a vegetable, that it should be treated as a vegetable. So the Supreme Court decided that tomato was a vegetable. Well, there you have it. The government uh, right, says there, so. <laughs> there you have there it. There you have it. And said, forget about the botanical meaning. Forget about the botanical meaning. The common meaning is what's important. <laughs> that's, 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 it has seeds, okay? <laughs> that, right, exactly. <laughs> All right, so. On with hops. And hops, uh, you know, every time we do another plant, <laughs> I just get so excited about it. Well, I'm giggling because I, you and I have never talked about a love for beer. No, and we I haven't. Re I mean, we've talked about other things. I know you like wine mm -hmm. a good yeah. bit, but I never talked about love for beer. Do you love beer? Um, well, love might be going a step too far, okay. but I, I have... Um, Most I like wine... To, I like to come home from work, and I like to have a glass of wine or beer, and I would say it's about even. In really? Terms of it. Yeah. I was because I was going to say most wine drinkers that love wine aren't necessarily beer no, lovers. I don't, yeah, 
So, okay. To me, they're about even. Now, I love beer. Okay. I love beer. You like IPAs? Yes. But I don't love dark or bitter beer, so I mm-hmm. guess I'm not in the club, the, the, <laughs> that loves- <laughs> a respected club, that right. is. Uh, unfortunately, I don't drink. I have to go to cider now. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, wow. Because of the, 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 the gluten that's... Uh, we might have to revisit apples and, and talk about right. cider. I think you're right. I think you're right, because it's very good. But so, I still you know, love beer. Me too, and I love the IPAs, and um, and we're really, you know, we're, we're getting right away into what hops are known for, which is they are known as the bittering agent in beer. So I think I think we ought to explain that just a little bit. Okay. You know, how, how is beer made? And I'm going to make it very simple. If you guys want to find out how beer is made, all the different parts of it, all the different things can be added to beer, again, that, that show on January 30th at Free Range Brewery in Charlotte, you'll learn a lot. Let's give the basics. Basically, you've got barley. It actually could be some other grain, but you have barley and then you malt it. What does malting mean? You add a little bit of water and the seed starts to germinate. Barley is actually a seed. When it starts to germinate, the starches change to sugars. These sugars are then um, converted microbially into alcohol and really shortening a very interesting process. But basically, since you've got all these sugars, beer is naturally very sweet. Well, not everybody likes the sweetness. In fact, some people don't like it at all, so they try and change the taste and bitter it somehow, and hops are kind of the standard way to bitter it. Now, they, this was first done, actually, so here's the thing. This is one of those things that it's not known exactly when hops was first added to beer. There is some discussion as to whether um, Pliny the Elder, who you may know is a biblical historian from the first century, there's some discussion as to whether Pliny the Elder discussed it. Um, it, This isn't clear. It's not clear that he was talking about hops, and I've heard, you know, debate on both sides. I personally think he probably wasn't talking about hops, but I have no way to prove that. Maybe he was. The, The first real discussion of hops seems to have been in 822 in France, in a monastery in 822 in France. And so that's, I think, when uh, when hops, well, at least it's when we first know that hops started being used in beer. And the use of hops in beer kind of spread from France to Germany and around a, a lot of different areas uh, in Europe. And the reason that hops were used was, first of all, as the bittering agent, but it ends up that not only was it important as a bittering agent, it was also important in the preservation of this of this alcohol. And they'd say, well, you know, this stuff has alcohol, doesn't it preserve itself to some extent? But the hops actually has compounds that actually reduce microbial growth even more. So it was just really good at keeping any contaminants out of beer. So good stuff, good useful stuff. And you may say, well, what was used prior to hops in beer? And something called gruet, and I may be pronouncing that wrong, (laughs) Uh, but gruet was a combination of all kinds of different things, um, nutmeg and heather and all kinds of different things could be used to change the flavor of beer. Interestingly enough, hops came relatively late to the UK, and in the 16th century, King Henry VIII actually wouldn't allow the use of uh, hops in ales. So you see, an ale really shouldn't have hops. Hops is really only for beer. Actually, there's all kinds of things about how Henry VIII was really mean about using hops and you couldn't do it and that it was a wicked and pernicious weed. And if you're into, you know, you know Wicked Weed Brewery in mm-hmm. Asheville? Yes. Yeah, you can get a shirt. In fact, I have this shirt that says, <laughs> You know, hops are a wicked and pernicious weed. Um, that, that's overstated. Henry basically said, look, you can use hops 
for your beers. That's absolutely fine, but you may not use hops um, with your ale. Okay, you had to use something else. Henry also said that uh, hops promoted melancholy, which may actually be true, but let's get to that a okay. little bit later. All right. So let's talk about the biology of, uh, of hops a little bit, because they really are interesting. They're part of the Cannabinaceae family, which, what does that mean? <laughs> Related to cannabis. And I saw that, and I just laughed. I said, yeah. of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, it's, it's not this really tight, uh, close relation to marijuana, but it is, it is botanically related to marijuana. Close enough. Exactly. There are three species of hops. Com well, commonly, we think of there being three species, but really only one is used with beer, and that's common hops, the one we, one we see around. Um, the other two hot types of hops, um, you know, I, I saw various people trying those hops in beer, but I didn't see anything where the other species are regularly used with beer. The common hops that's regularly used with beer, there are actually five uh, varieties that occur naturally. Three of those varieties are actually native to North America, one from Asia and one from Europe. And you're thinking to yourself, I can see the brains turning. <laughs> I can see your brains turning around. Ooh, that sounds awful. All right. um, so hops was first used in Europe, but there are all these different types in North America. What the heck? Well, the one type that's used in Europe is actually the type that is mostly used in the United States. In fact, most of the hops that we use here in the U.S., uh, are combinations, well, they're either European hops or a combination of a European variety and an American variety. Hops are vines, not vines. vines. <laughs> what, is a, what is a bine? Well, a bine is actually kind of a type of vine that coils around things rather than really sticking to yeah, it. Do we really need to, I mean, I just it's not that much of a difference, but it's not that much it of is a difference. interesting to know that vines move more clockwise in Northern Hemisphere. Is and that then, true? Yes, and counterclockwise in the southern hemisphere. That is fascinating. Yes, and that's how it's because their stem twists. Vines don't twist. Vine stems twist. Twist because they have to. They have to. They've evolved to connect to, to things. Yes. So the botanist and us are are nerding out a little bit. Yes, we are. And um, for those of you who aren't botanists, we we're really really sorry. <laughs> Hops are dioecious and perennial. What do I mean by that? So how, they're dioecious, which means that they're separate male and female flowers. This is actually uh, tremendously important. Yes. So, you, go ahead. Well, you have to know that, so I'm glad you pointed it out. Otherwise, if you don't purposely buy, you know, a rhizome or a root piece that was from a female plant, mm -hmm. I mean, it takes three years for these plants to produce the cones. You don't plant hops from seeds. No, 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 no. You have to pick a rhizome, or by rhizome, a cutting. Yes. You want a cutting from a female plant. Right. Because if you start producing male plants, you won't get the cones. Well, did you know it takes three years? for the rhizome to produce a good fruit set? Yes. So the first the first year you'll get a fruit set, right. but, it, but it won't be significant. Right. You're going to have to go into the second and third year. To get a full crop. Get a full crop. Mm -hmm. And again, you're planting just females. You don't plant any males. If your females somehow become fertilized, you will have inferior cone. It won't taste right and could actually break down too rapidly. So you plant just female fruit. Now, one of the interesting things about this is that although they're dioecious, again, 
just male or female, some of your females will produce some male flowers, which can create some of a problem. But one of the most... It won't take over the plant, though, make a difference. Well, one of the um, most common hops that's used is called Cascade. Mm -hmm. And Cascade actually has a habit of setting some male flowers. But here's what you need to know about the male flowers that Cascade sets. The male flowers that Cascade sets are not compatible with the female flowers, perhaps not even viable. So what that means is that if, you, if you've planted a bunch of Cascade, and these are all going to be female, and you have a female flowers, don't worry about it. They're not going to fertilize the female flowers, and it won't end up being an issue. There are a tremendous number of different hops, and um, some of the newer cultivars are actually more fruity and less bitter than some of the old ones. Some of these are Citra hops, Galaxy hops, Sirachi, Ace hops. They can add a Fruit Loops dimension to your beer. And here's the thing. I'm now going to tell you the single greatest brewery in the United States. What is it? Are you ready? Yes. It is Surly Brewing Company up in Minnesota. <laughs> of course. It has an amazing... No, I, hey, look, there are pieces of Minnesota that I like, but I was thrilled to come to North Carolina and the warmth. But up in Minnesota, they make some. They do make some good beer. And Surly Brewing Company is absolutely amazing. Let me name one beer from there, Cynic Ale, which was one of my favorites. But the uh, Surly Brewing Company has this ale that they've, uh, that they've produced recently which includes some of these fruitier hops, and it's called abrasive ale. I have not tried abrasive ale, but now I really, really want to try it. Because Are you saying abrasive? Abrasive okay. ale to go along with their cynic ale, I guess. <laughs> but you'll notice, you'll notice that they'll, they have ales with hops, and really they shouldn't have ales with hops, mm -hmm. but they're doing it anyway. <laughs> That's the thing about Surly. They're rebels. Well, we're allowed to now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So hops are a perennial, which means that they basically cut them down every year and they come back from the roots. Harvest can be either picking directly from the vine or when the vine gets big. And if you've been out to Oregon and Washington, which is where a lot of hops production is centered, these things can get 15 feet high. And you cut them down and you can pick the hops from it there. Um, now they'll grow that long in one year. They're, yes. they're pretty vigorous. And if you look at pictures online of production fields, it's, mm -hmm. they, they're really inventive. They look like mini trees, yeah. you know, throughout the fields. But yeah, 20 feet in one year and you harvest them uh, right before fall, Whew. you know, all those hops. Wow. And, you know, there's a there's a difference in using fresh versus dried or versus pellet hops. Did you read into that at all? I did not read a lot about okay. it. I knew that you would get to it. But I, it, okay. tell, me, tell me about it. I want to I hear all about right. that all before right. before we get to the uh, – did you read about the – the sleeping effects of hops. Yes, I did a little All right. bit. Okay. All right, so well, well, you get to that well, and then I'll come back. Why this interested me so much is there's so many breweries popping up around the country, especially in our area, and uh, to, to understand how they crafted their beer just a little bit intrigued me. So fresh hops are what's really used by uh, the craft uh, type beers because, you know, most breweries can't use fresh hops because they're making beer year round. <laughs> not just, you know, right. late summer, and they don't have a shelf life for very long. Nonetheless, mm -hmm. if you have an opportunity to uh, drink beer in August mm -hmm. when there's plenty of fresh hops around, that's when I'm going to try. Gluten or no gluten, I'm going to try <laughs> gonna it, anyway. Do it anyway. I'm going to do it anyway. But uh, pellet hops, which looks like rabbit food, mm -hmm. is the way that it's most uh, breweries and use And I'm assuming hops. that's dried? Oh, yes. It's dried and formed into pellets, easy for shipping. Mm -hmm. You know, that kind of thing. There is dried hops, you mm -hmm. know, which is a step further to prolong the shelf life. Right. So 
anyway, there's my, <laughs> I was just intrigued that uh, about the fresh hops being used at the, especially at local breweries. Well, they are, they are fascinating. Mm -hmm. Here we are going into beer. Let me, let me step back from beer for a minute because hops are actually used for a whole lot of, a uh, whole lot of other things. Hop candy is a thing. Founders Brewery, uh, using Cascade, you can actually get Cascade-flavored candy. Again, Cascade is one of those hops cultivars. Hop tea is actually a thing. Uh, the original hop candy is apparently B-hoppy, just the letter B-hoppy. Mm -hmm. So you can get yourself some hop candy. I don't know how that would taste, but it was it was tempting. Hop leaves, some people use hop leaves as a replacement. And I am now going to tell you the most expensive vegetable that there is, $400, uh, $400 a pound, hops shoots. Wow. You cut the young hops shoots when they're just growing. And now, you know, I have my reference for this $400 pound. It's up and down, obviously. That's some candy. But, well, that's not candy. It's actually eaten like asparagus. Oh, excuse me. Okay. This, so this is actually hops shoots. I see. Well, so that's some side dish. It right? is. <laughs> <laughs> they're picked when they're young and tender, and they're used similar to asparagus. And um, I, I have to tell you, I'm not tempted. I really don't like asparagus. If you're if you're uh, wondering about recommending We're doing asparagus, that next week. no, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll talk about asparagus sometime, sometime, sometime in the future. One of the things that hops is known for is being uh, a sedative. Probably not the right word, but helping people sleep. And hops pillows are a thing. And if you look for natural ways to help you sleep, you'll actually find hops pillows. The first mention I found of hops pillows was in 1897, when uh, F.W. Richardson mentioned in his paper "Hops and Their Influence on Mic," I'm sorry, "Hops and Their Influence on Microbes." He mentioned that hops pillows were actually a really useful way to uh, to help you sleep. And more recently, in 2012, there was a study done by a group including uh, Franco, Sanchez, Bravo, Rodriguez, Barriga, <laughs> and Juanez. This was called The Sedative Effects of Hops, Humulus Lupulus, a component of beer on the activity rest rhythm. They actually looked at the sedative effects of hops on quail, and they actually decided that quails and, and human were similar in their <laughs> sleep patterns. So they should test on quail, and they found a positive effect. And they tested hops. <laughs> the, the funny thing to me is they tested hops at the level that you would find it in non-alcoholic beer. Why they picked a non-alcoholic beer, I have absolutely no idea. But I guess that kind of makes sense because, you know, you don't want to test the alcohol because alcohol clearly has a sedative effect. So I guess they were trying to... I, I don't know. Anyway, um, there are... I guess what I'm trying to get to, though, is that hops have been seen as as a way to help people sleep for for a long, long time? And I'm actually tempted to get some hop candy. It helps with irritability, does it? And tension too. Which I, does. if it helps with sleep, I can see why it would mellow out. You know those uh, emotions as well. So uh, I guess I guess I can see that. Yeah. I'm imagining that you spent a pretty significant amount of time looking at growing these things. For, well, let me let me ask because. So, when I was up north, yeah, Minnesota, um, I certainly saw hops growing. In fact, I know a guy up there right now working on uh, hops and pathology of hops. By pathology, I mean various diseases that well, important hops. research, right, right. And one of the one of the diseases it gets is powdery mildew. Badly, badly, yes. And so that can affect production a good bit. Since it being in North Carolina, I don't know if I've seen. Well, it has a zone of three to eight. Right. Uh, that would surprise me that, but it is hot. 
you know, mm-hmm. and the heat's always, you know, deterrent for for lots of plants to to thrive here. But I don't know. I want to try it on a on a trellis or something or an arbor. The flowers are beautiful. I really, they look like cones, but they're green cones. Like they don't look like pine <laughs> cones. They're green cones. They're green cones. They're beautiful pendulous coming off of a they are of some a nice vine. Cones. Yes, I you know, and I agree. Just something to appreciate and to admire. Why not? I think the uh, length of time it takes to produce heavy bloom set is a deterrent, you know, from trying it. Also, it doesn't look good in a pot, you know, <laughs> so you're not going to find it for sale. But why not? Why couldn't you grow them just be, to admire the flowers and possibly sell the fresh ones to uh, well, local breweries? <laughs> they grow so fast and they're so green. As long as you can avoid the powdery mildew, I think they actually would make that quite might, an attractive That might plant. be hard. But everything that they enjoy, uh, we're, we have here. You know, sandy soil isn't one of them, but we can fix that. The pH is 6 Mm-hmm. So you slightly know, acid, slightly, you know, uh, zone three to eight. Um, so it would fit within Charlotte. Yeah. Three means it goes up. Well, I knew it grew in Minnesota, yeah. but that means it, it really does. It has a wide range, which, you know. Most of the United States. Yes. With the exception of. Texas Texas, and Florida Florida and the the Gulf state. Right. The really hot places in California. So, yeah, why not? Why not? Give plenty of uh, uh, room for the vines (laughs) to grow. Great children's garden, you know, uh, look to it. So, yeah, it would be a great addition to the garden if you have space. Yeah, I I like this plant. I like this plant a lot. I do too. In fact, I think we're going to have to get some for the garden next year. So, now, if you really are interested in growing some more, I thought the groworganic.com website was a good source. Did a you know, nice job of outlining. They did a great job of outlining did. everything it uh, seemed, for the non-gardener especially. As I went through all this stuff, um, it seemed to me that uh, if you're actually going to produce hops, you got to be spending some time. Mm-hmm. But if you're just looking for a neat vine to grow... Not that hard. No. Kind of a weed. I mean, there are three species native to the U.S. Or I'm not three species, I'm sorry. The three varieties that are native to the U.S. So you'd assume that it's made for this environment. Green flowers are unique. So these have like a green cone. You are not buying it, are you? I'm trying to be nice. Okay. (laughs) They're not not bad. Okay. We have a bunch of suggestions for the rest of the season. But you know what? We have been absolutely thrilled at the uh, at the interaction and the recommendations that we've received from I you. I know. I'm so excited, and too. And we, we would love to, to get more. Please do not hesitate to contact us and let us know what you'd be interested in hearing about. You can contact me at uh, jgillman at unc.edu. That's jgillman at unc.edu. You're more than welcome to drop me some recommendations. And if you ever hear anything on the show that you don't quite agree with, like, you know, tomato being a fruit or a vegetable, we love to hear that stuff. You can feel free to contact us and let us know. Next week, we actually have a plant that uh, we've decided on from a recommendation, or actually two recommendations we received. Rhett Harrell III and Josh Gilman. And yes, my brother has been listening to the podcast, oh, really? unbeknownst to me. <laughs> and they both recommended the same thing. And Rhett and Josh, we really appreciate your recommendation. They recommended pineapple. There you go. And so we're going to do pineapple next. And then, um, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to tell the one after that. But we have, we have, we have pineapple next. Okay. And... Uh, we're, we're really excited about it. So this has been The Plants We Eat. This has been a production of the UNC Charlotte Botanical Gardens in conjunction with the College of Liberal Arts and Sciences and the Isle Group at UNC Charlotte. Thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to talking with you soon.